as I mentioned, I've been here 10 years, but I've not been here 10 years as your pastor. All right. I've been your pastor for 10 months, I think it is now. All right. And I thoroughly enjoy being your pastor. But, uh, man, you know, I was reflecting this morning, and, and some of you saw my Facebook post that I put out there. But I was reflecting this morning of, wow, isn't God just good? I mean, think about that for a moment. Isn't God just tremendous? Doesn't he just blow our mind day in and day out? I mean, I was sitting there reflecting, and I was like, you know, 10 years ago today to the date, I was driving from my parents' house, which was in uh, Newark, Delaware. I stayed there for a week before I came here. And as I was driving, I was going, what, God, have you gotten me into? I'm going somewhere where I don't know anyone. I've heard about this place, you know, uh, youth camps, uh, David Reed. I know some of you know him. He was my camp counselor. I'll never forget it. His laugh freaked me out, all right? If you've ever heard it, you know what I'm talking about. And it was one of those moments where we were, uh, we were actually in our cabin one night. And this is totally off of my, my message, but I'm just sharing it with you anyway. We were in our cabin at, at, in our youth camp in Columbia, Maryland. And he was my camp counselor. And uh, I think I've told this story before. But he was telling us as his cabin, because we were a pretty rowdy cabin. We really were. We were pretty bad. We had a couple fights within the cabin that week. And... It was kind of crazy, but we were in the cabin, and he, he felt the need to tell us his uh, testimony. Some of you know his testimony. It's a powerful testimony. But when you're 14 and 15 years old, and the lights are out, and this guy's telling you his testimony, it will mess with your mind. And then he has this laugh that's very high-pitched and really, yeah. Needless to say, I was the first one up out of the bed flipping the lights on going, we're sleeping with the lights on tonight, guys. You know? But I, I remember, you know, driving here, and, and then I, I knew uh, Holly and Heidi Combe uh, from youth camp and from different things. And, and uh, Paul Mears uh, went to Bible college with me. And so I, I had a little bit of, uh, you know, understanding of Shingatig, just knew of it. And uh, then Stephen Liscomb, his dad is somewhere in here, or was anyway. Yeah, he's right back there. Uh, you know, know, knew him. And, and so got to, you know, I had a little bit of a tie in there, never to think that I would actually come here. You know, but I remember driving here going, God, you know what? This is all part of your plan and uh, I'm just along for the ride, you know, and 10 years later, I'm still riding that same ride and it doesn't look like there's an exit ramp anytime soon. So I'm um, very fortunate to stand here and, and call you guys as my church family and uh, actually family and, and just in general and, and my wife and I and my family, we love you guys so very much. So thank you. Thank you. Um, man, we're going to get right in. Struggle is real. I'm contemplating ending the series today and getting into something new next week. And then I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll extend it one more week. We'll see how it goes. This could be the end of the series, and it could not be, okay? So there's your warning. But the struggle is real. The struggle is real, right? Think about that life. The struggle is really real. How many struggles, strugglers do I have here this morning who are going through some struggle? Yes, right? Woo! Some of you, that's the shout that you're going to get for the whole service right there. You're like, yes! You know, I mean, we got struggle. I mean, you look around, you know, I hate to say this, but I look at yesterday's news with Charlottesville and terrible struggle. We as a church should be united. We should never be separated by race or 
different nationalities, skin color, language barriers. We are the body of Christ. God created us what? In his image. Amen? I, um, I'm not going to harp a lot on this, but I was looking at that, uh, several pictures, especially this morning, and, and of the crowd of the people who were gathering, and I thought to myself, how many of these people go to church? I don't know that I want them representing me as the body of Christ. But then again, I have to look at myself and go, I got the same struggles in my own life, maybe just in a different matter. We all do. We all need God in our life to deal with the struggles that we deal with. We need God to help us within our marriages, our work, our spiritual aspect, spiritual life. We need him to deal with our friendships. We need him to deal with just in life in general. Financial needs, you know, physical, medical, mental needs. We need God to help with our struggles. And the struggle is very real in our lives. Um, the first week we, we looked into, uh, the first struggle that we looked at was not wasting our weight. If you recall that, not wasting our weight. In other words, God gives us a promise. Or God gives us a uh, you know, an end goal or end result that we have in our mind. Or maybe God has given you something he's, he's spoken to you about your family or your, maybe your life personally. Or maybe he's spoken to you with regard to your future. Different things like that. And so we all have these things and we're geared up for them when, they, when those promises come or those revelations come. We get so excited. I don't know about you, but I get so excited when I think about not right now, but I think about tomorrow and the days after, knowing that at any moment God can begin to fulfill his promises in, in my life or even in this church or let's make it more personal in your life. But yet we go through struggles. We go through difficulties. One of the things that I want you to understand is God's best is often delivered through the hardest tests. Through the hardest tests. You know, I can look back as I was traveling here 10 years ago, and I was just, you know, reminiscing on my life prior to coming here, and I was going through what it was the hardest test of my life at that point. Through the hardest struggles and, and, and relationships and just different things. And, and, and as I look back now, I see that those hard tests developed tremendous promise and resulted in tremendous promise from God. I say that to give you hope right now because I don't know what the struggle is that maybe you're dealing with and that you're going through. But I want you to understand that you might be going through a test right now. But I promise on the other side of that test is such a glorious victory that God has in store for your life. Do not allow your struggle to dictate who you are. Don't allow your test to determine whether or not you're going to have hope and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Last week we looked at the struggle of releasing. If you recall, I gave the example of how we are to cast our cares. And we looked at that. And, and I, think, I believe it was in 1 Peter where... It says that you take, your, you take your cares and you're supposed to cast your cares to God because why? He cares for who? You. God cares for you. So if God cares for you, then he gives me a responsibility to do something very important for my life. And that is to take the cares that I have and give them over to him. And we talked about the analogy of taking a rock and throwing it into the ocean. When you take a rock and you throw it into the ocean... 
Good luck ever trying to find that rock again. You're never going to be able to go back to it. The waters take it away from you. But oftentimes we don't take the analogy of taking a rock and throwing it into the ocean. But we take the analogy of taking a fishing rod and casting it into the sea. And then every now and then what do we do? We reel it back in. Why? To take a look at it. That's not casting our cares to God. That's us saying, Lord, I've got control of this. I've got the answers. I'm going to give it to you for a period of time to do something with it. But if it's not done in the time that I want it to be done, guess what I'm going to do, God? I'm going to bring it back to me. And then I'm going to take care of it. Well, during this series, my challenge is for us to stop evading the struggles or the hard things that you know God is asking you to do. And instead, embrace the idea that God is trying to deliver his best into your life. Now, with all of that said, and we looked at week one, and we've looked at week two, now we're in week three, and you're going to have to psych yourself up for this one, all right? This is a hard one. This one's difficult. If you already looked in your bulletin, you know exactly why, or your version app, all right? You know exactly what I'm about to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Forgiving one another. Have you ever had someone do a wrong toward a child, to your spouse? Or someone close to you. Think about that. Have you ever had someone offend you in such a way that it causes your blood to boil inside? It's kind of like, uh, man, I remember growing up, my mom had one of them old tea kettles, right? And, you know, you put the water in it, you sit it on the stove, and when that thing is, it start rocking, you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden, that whistle would go off and steam would pfft, Shoot, you know what I'm talking about, right? When somebody does you so wrong like that, isn't that how we look at life sometimes? Or how we allow it to what? Affect us. We get so angered. We get so offended. We get so mad. And we're looking for one thing, revenge, right? We're looking to avenge or to have revenge. We want to, what, get back. We want to take back what they took from us. I want them to have endless nights of no sleep since they have given me endless nights of no sleep. I hope they have heartburn ten times more than I've had heartburn because they've given it to me. You guys got to wake up, man. You know, I want them to have the headaches only far worse than the headaches that I've had because of why? Because they've offended me. So we know, we understand what, what that means. We, we understand what that's about when we get so ticked off that we get, what, so angry. But there, there lies the problem, and that is this, a struggle of forgiveness. Watch this. Forgiveness is against our nature. It's against our nature. I mean, if you recall, we're emotionally driven people. And if you do me wrong, my emotion is going to be revenge. Or my emotion will be, I'm going to build a wall. Or my emotion is going to be, I'm going to talk to everyone I can about you to make you look bad. The struggle is forgiveness. And that's real. That's hard for a lot of us. In fact, I'm going to be honest, that's probably hard for every one of us in some way. 
How about the person where you've been done wrong and, and instead of acting out, here's how you act out. You just shut down and you allow that resentment to what? Build up, accumulate, and you become just like that what? Tea kettle. When you had so much, you're about to what? Bust. And things happen. It's our natural reaction. No matter what that is, we need to understand in order for us to have a successful life, we must learn to respond with this, forgiveness. Now, understanding, you may be thinking, look, pastor, that, that, that's hard for me to, to, to comprehend. You know, you don't know what maybe, you know, this person has done to me. You don't know how maybe this friend has betrayed me or maybe this son or daughter has rejected me or or you don't know how my ex has ruined my life or you know what you don't know you, you how can you suggest that I have forgiveness in my life when you don't have any idea what I've gone through no way am I minimizing what you have gone through but I'm suggesting this that if we would understand that God has so much better for your life than what resentment and anger and revenge can give to you. God's best is often delivered to us in our worst moments or in what? Our times of our hardest test. We're going to look back in, in the, this message back to Acts chapter 16. And you're going to see where Paul and Silas were stranded for you know, several uh, several months in a, in a foreign city called Philippi. They were there. Um, remember, if you recall, their motive or what they were trying to get to was a place called Rome. The moment that the conversion experience happened for Paul, it was like he had a promise spoken over his life that he was to take the message of Jesus Christ and God's message to Rome. That was his goal. That was his promise. That is what he was shooting for. And unfortunately for him, he was in a different city called Philippi for several months. Months, excuse me. While there, he and his ministry partner Silas stumble upon this young teenage girl, and they begin to work with her, pray with her, and this girl's delivered. You know, she's no longer uh, a trafficked young lady any longer. She's She's no longer being used for the pleasure of her owners. At this point, it's kind of like the light bulb kicks off. God does an interaction. Does, he intervenes in this young lady's life. And, and all of a sudden, the owners become very upset. In fact, infuriated. They're so highly mad with, with Paul and Silas. And so they take on what many of us take on in our attitude when someone does us wrong. They become vengeful. They want revenge. They get anger, they get upset, they become very mad, and they express it. They express it by causing a stir within the community, causing a riot to take form, getting everyone on board. Are you following me? Getting everyone in the community on board with what they have to say of how bad Paul and Silas are, lying on them and, and saying things about them that was untrue. And so what happens in this story is the, the, the officials from the town come and 
They decide to take matters into their own hands and they no longer want such an uproar, such a stir within our community. So they come up with the idea, let's, let's put an ease to this. In fact, you know what? Let's go ahead and take them and we're going to put them in, in, in jail. So they send them to the, to the jailer and, and we're going to pick up the scripture in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. This is after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them Carefully Now understand, the jailer didn't set the sentencing here. He's doing his job. Okay? He's doing his job, but we understand that he goes a little bit above and beyond his job. We're going to dive in a little bit deeper. The, the, the jailer in this moment decides to place them within the inner cell. Now, if you've been in the last two weeks of this message, you understand what I'm talking about when I say the inner cell. In other words, it was a dark place. There was no windows separated from the general population within the jail or within the prison. In the center of the inner cells where they were placed. And so what would happen was in, in this realm or in this area, uh, it was always set a little lower than the rest of the jail. So all the waste, all the sewage would run down into the inner cell cell. So this is what they had to deal with. Kind of, you know, maybe some of you this morning are, are facing a prison-like situation, not literally, but maybe within your mind. Unforgiveness is a prison within our mind, but not only within our mind, but also within our spirit. Unforgiveness causes resentment. Unforgiveness actually causes us to not allow God into our life to do as he's looking to do or as he wants to do. It causes us to block him out. The scripture in, in 16 and 24 says when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet within the stocks. Now, understanding this, that as they fastened their feet within the stocks, what that is referring to here in this moment is that uh, they would... There, there was chains, and, and on, at the end of the chains were, were like cuffs on them. And so they would take their arms and their legs, and, and they would, in the inner cell, they would lock them in it. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, they were locked in, but they could kind of still freely move about. They just couldn't leave their cell. But no, it was worse than that. They, the, 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 the chains were shortened up on them, so the, the body was placed in positions that wasn't natural. So they were in, not only in the inner cell, not only were they in jail, not only were they locked up for doing absolutely nothing wrong, but now they're placed in, into positions that the body is not normally or comfortably put into. And so they're now being tortured in such a manner. Now, I think to myself, I'm like, these poor guys. How in the world could they allow their life, you know, why is this happening to them? Why is this going on, you know, to them right here? This, is, this has got to be uncomfortable. This, is, this, this isn't right. And then I, I think about you and I, and I, I think about the prison that we allow ourselves to be in when it comes to unforgiveness. When people speak badly about us, when they've done something either to you or to someone that you love or maybe to a close friend. Some of you right now, as I'm speaking, you have people rolling through your mind and you don't even realize. You can't control it. It's just like a snapshot. Boom, 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 boom. And so we allow this resentment to come in and it actually places us into an inner cell within a, a mental prison that we're in. You know, maybe you're not in a 
you know, metal prison or metal bars. But some of you are dealing with mental bars this morning. Mental bars that are keeping God from doing what he wants to do in your life. You know, a jail not only puts and separates people from, from life, but it also separates them from anything from the outside good coming in. You know, oftentimes when we allow this spirit of unforgiveness to come upon our life, what we're truly doing is saying, God, you know what? Um, I'm going to handle this and I've got this. And so I don't need your goodness and your grace and your mercy to come even into my life. How can we expect God to forgive us if we can't forgive others for the sins that maybe they've done against us? See, this thing is a really big picture here. Acts 16 and 25 is a great scripture, and it goes on to say, and this is one of those scriptures where, you know, in a different style of message, it's like people go, woo, they get excited. But it says, when he received these orders, uh, verse 25, please. Cool. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That's an exciting moment right there. That's an exciting moment when you're locked up in a prison. When, that's an exciting moment where, when, when we see as the body of Christ God delivering through people just saying, you know what, I'm going to worship God even in my darkest storm." Even when I'm being falsely accused, I'm going to worship God. Even when everything is coming against me, I'm going to worship God. You know, they're, they're not just loosely chained in this prison, but they're in, uh, 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 in positions that is very uncomfortable. Not only in the inner cell where sewage and trash and everything's running out. Can you imagine the odor that must have been there? But yet we read about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Remember, if you recall, in the first week, I didn't say that the other prisoners overheard this. See, in order to listen to them, that means you must drop everything else around you and put your attention solely upon what's being spoken on. These other prisoners knew the reputation of Paul and Silas. You know, or at least Paul anyway. What I find fascinating, fascinating about Paul in this moment is why he's being locked up. While he's in what could be the, the, the most worst circumstance of his life that he has ever been in. One of the cool things here is that I can't help but him beginning to reflect on his own past. His own past of when Jesus come into his life on that Damascus road. That experience that happened. When the grace of God came into his life and he realized, you know what? I was created for more than what this life is all about. I was created so I could worship Jesus Christ. I was created because there's an eternal existence for me. That yeah, my circumstance right now really stinks. That says yes, my circumstance right now with where I'm at. Is not exciting to me. 
I'm not happy with the environment that I'm in. But regardless of everything that's happening around me, I'm still going to worship God. And I'm still going to praise God. Regardless of everything else. So these prisoners, they had an understanding, in my opinion, of Paul's past. And so they took note. And they're like, watch this. We're going to see this man break here. There's going to be too much pressure put on him here. There's no way this man is going to be able to forego everything that he's been going through. To continue to have this mindset of worship. This mindset of Jesus Christ. This, this preach about him. This scripture that's within him that he's speaking about. There's no way. And so they were listening. They were listening to see him what? Fall. They were listening to see him Fall. They were listening to see him fail. Let me tell you something. As a Christ follower, when the pressures are mounted upon you in your life, when the world, your friends, your community maybe does you wrong, maybe your own church does you wrong, maybe those who are closest to you speak so ill in regards to you, the world is looking to see how your response is going to be. They're listening, just as these men were listening in within this prison, these prisoners were doing. Their attention now was going, what are we going to see here? What's going to happen? Is he going to break? Verse 26 says, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At, all, at once, all the prisoners' doors flew open and everyone's chains came Luce, do you understand something? That when you are in the toughest struggle, in the toughest moments of your life, when you don't sit there and have self-pity upon, can I get a little bit more because I'm losing it? <laughs> I get excited, I'm sorry. I get very passionate when I, when I get into this. Because I reflect on my life, I'm trying to reflect on your life, even though I don't know what your life is, but some of your stories I do know. And yet I still see a song in your heart. I still see a leap in your step. I still see a praise that comes from your body language. So my thinking here is that in this scripture it says suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. I can't help to think though, but when I go through my deepest, darkest struggles in life, and yet my faith is not wavered, that I stand strong on God's word. I stand strong upon the promises that he has spoken over my life and over your life. When there is a shout that comes from me, when there's a praise that comes from me, I can't help but think that God begins to shake the prison within me, begins to shake the shackles and the things that have cuffed me for so long. It says, uh-uh, no more, no more. Amen. <clears throat> Verse 26, I'm going to repeat it again without going back off to something. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors, they did what? They flew open. And everyone's chains came loose. I got to stop there for a second. Because it's kind of like this. I'm going to embarrass my wife. Come here. 
She's like, I'm going to kill you later. I embarrass her all the time by my stories. You guys, isn't she beautiful? Absolutely. But you know what happens is when I'm going through a struggle, when I'm going through something very difficult in my life, she's got to hear it all the time. <laughs> but, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, stay here, Joe. You just volunteered too. But when I'm going through a struggle in my life, and watch this. This is where it gets so awesome because you know what? I'm going through a struggle right now. I'm going to be very honest. I'm struggling with a couple things. You're struggling with some stuff. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are. I'm going to point my finger at every single one of you because every single one of us is struggling with something. Every one of us in this room. But you know what it only takes? It only takes one person. It only takes one person that maybe I'm going through a struggle. But you know what? My faith isn't going to waver. Even in my darkest storm, my faith isn't going to waver. So you know what I'm going to do? God, I love you. God, my faith is in you. God, I'm going to continue. And things, the prison doors in my life begin to shake off. But watch this. Those who are closest to me, who are around me, become influenced by who? By me. Now their attitude changes. And you know what happens? Their prison doors begin to fly open. And their shackles begin to come off. And their circumstances begin to change. Why? Because one person said, not today, devil. Today, you're not going to have my family. Today, you don't have my future. Today, you don't have my marriage and my relationships. Today, you don't have my church. Today, you don't have me. Amen? You guys can be seated. Thank you. So, let's try this scripture again. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Now, verse 27, this is where it gets a little bit deeper. I, Kid City's going to have to forget. I told him, I said, look, man, it's going to be a quick message today. Don't worry about it. I haven't even got to my point yet, okay, or my points. Some of you are like, I got dinner reservations. You're at, the, you're at God's dinner table, so enjoy it. Verse 27. The jailer woke up. This is a bad, have you ever woke up and it was a bad day to wake up? <laughs> All right. This was a bad day to wake up in this moment for this man. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. So, man, look, the guy didn't even start, his, he didn't even get to the bathroom yet. He woke up and said, It's over. You know, we've been there, right? You wake up and you just know it's going to be a bad day. We've had them days. I've had them days. You wake up and you're like, oh, man, I just know all hell's going to break loose today, right? So the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Understand, this is the meaning behind this scripture for the jailer. This is why he knew it was a bad day when he woke up. Because the jailer take, had the responsibility in this day and age to make sure that everything was carried out as accordingly. And so if someone escaped jail, guess who was killed? He was, the jailer. So in his mind, he's going, bad day. 
This is definitely a bad day. You know what? I don't, I'm just going to do it to myself. It would be a lot easier. How many in this room would have that same response in our lives where we wake up sometimes and we just think to ourselves it's a bad day? We wake up with a defeated mindset. We wake up in, in our lives and go, you know, why am I even existing? Why am I even around? And, and, and if you think hard enough, you start resenting toward people because of maybe God's blessed someone and, and you feel that you deserve that blessing and they don't. The person never even did anything to you, but yet you still have resentment toward them. It's called jealousy. You don't understand why they're getting the financial blessing and you're not. You don't understand why they found the perfect spouse like I did. And you did it. <laughs> Think about it. There's a couple things that we're going to look at this morning. Keys to unlocking forgiveness. One is this. No, I'll go through them quickly. One, receive forgiveness. The reason why many have a hard time forgiving is because they have a hard time receiving forgiveness. We spend our life trying to earn God's forgiveness many times as Christ followers. We think to ourselves, well, there's no way God for, could forgive me because look at everything that I've been involved in. Look at everything that I have done. You know, Paul in that moment, he could have done that. He could have looked back on his life and saw he persecuted the church. He killed Christians. He spoke illy. He, you know, he had intentions of harming and doing wrongdoing. And in it, he was, had a responsibility of killing so many. How in the world could God forgive him? He could have had that mindset, but you know what? He didn't. Instead, he had a mindset that kind of comes from Colossians 2 and 13. It says this, Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. Somebody say all. 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 Somebody say all again. All. all. Of your sins. All of your sins. Not just the ones that are justifiable. Which that's zero by the way. Not just the ones that you feel okay about for him for forgiving. But those are including the ones that you've been involved in. That have been so outrageous. So outlandish in your mind that there's no way God could forgive. We see in the scripture that God made you alive with Christ because of what? He forgave all of your sins. Verse 14. I love this. He canceled. Somebody say canceled. The record of the charges against us. And took it away by nailing it to the cross. Now, I'm not going to ask for a, hand, a raise of hands here, but... I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but that doesn't mean you have to react to it. How many of you in here are in credit card debt? Think about that. Don't, please don't raise your hand. But how many of you in here are in credit card debt? Or forget that kind of debt. Maybe you're just in debt to somebody. Or you have a debt. Maybe you, you got a house mortgage or a car loan. or You're in debt to something. And imagine for the person who holds the note to that debt in this were to come to you and, and just look at that and go, you know what? Let's just rip it up. It's all free. It's all good. No more. You won't be sitting there silent like you are right now. You'd be throwing your hands up. You'd be throwing your feet up. You'd be, woo! Right? You would be like, yeah! You know, you'd be so... And then you... you 
Can you believe what just happened to me? <laughs> Zenith Bank just forgave my loan on my house. I owe nothing. Hold on. Facebook. <laughs> Bam. Status. Blessed. <laughs> Boom. Can you believe what just happened to me? Think about that. He says he canceled the record of the charges against us. That is what? That means we all can freely receive his forgiveness. Stop trying to earn God's forgiveness. It's already yours. He already paid the price for it. There's no reason for you to continue to bend over backwards and feel that you don't ever receive God's forgiveness. He's given it to you freely. Now, yeah, that's exciting. Here's a tough one. Number two, freely give what you have received. When God forgave us, he gave us the capacity to do something, and that is to forgive others. Matthew 10 and 8 says, freely you have received, freely you what? Give. Here's the best part. You will never have to forgive any more than God has already forgiven you. How do I give forgiveness? Erase the condition. We often think this, I'll forgive when they blank. I'll forgive them if they can come and just have a conversation with me. I'll forgive them if they can just admit the wrongdoing. I'll forgive them if they ask for my forgiveness. You know, I read in the scripture that God gave his only son, didn't he? He gave him. Not under condition. He didn't say, I'm going to give my son. Or Jesus didn't say, I'm going to go on that cross only if they do this. He went on that cross before you ever decided to follow him. So whatever you have received, you must freely give. Erasing any condition. Then this, we must make a daily decision. Forgiveness is never about feeling, but rather about a decision. We talked a little bit about that last week, about we react oftentimes. We react to things, and that's how we become emotionally driven. Sometimes you can't control the reaction. I get that. I even think God gets that. That's cool. You can't control the reaction, but there's a moment after the reaction where you decide to do something. The decision is up to you. Then you have to begin to take it to God and say, God, what, what do you want me to do here? So we must get to the spot where we say, you know what? We must make a daily decision to forgive. Look, listen, it takes faith to forgive. Faith is the step that you take that makes no sense only to find God's blessing on the other side of it. Put, it, put this in your mind. We must become obedient. We must obey anyway. If God says that we need to forgive people, then we need to forgive people. We must be obedient in that. With obedience come blessing. With obedience comes the promises of God. And then the other thing here is we must practice praying for one another. Or praying for those who we're, have that spirit of unforgiveness for. You know, we can, we can say, well, you know what, that's not bad. I can pray for someone. Listen to this. God Give them hemorrhoids. All right? Yeah. 
That's how we want to pray in that moment. We want to say, God, give them what they deserve. Don't we? We want to say, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make their life so miserable because they've made my life so miserable. They deserve, I, they're going to get theirs. And I'm going to laugh while they're getting it. Really? Practice praying for them. Even if it's, you know what, God, just don't kill them today. God, just don't kill them today. The next day, God, just don't kill them today. You know, it's amazing when we begin to pray for people, especially people that we have that spirit of unforgiveness over. Because I do believe that is a spirit that oppresses our lives. This is not, unforgiveness is not of God. Forgiveness is of God. If you have a hard time forgiving someone over something that they've done to you, then you need to understand that spirit is not the spirit of God in your life. That is the spirit that the enemy is trying to hold you captive over by keeping God's blessings from coming into your life. But it's amazing when we begin to pray for people, when we have resentment toward them or anger toward them or ill feeling toward them, and we want God to do some, you know, God do something horrible in their life that I can feel some relief over the pain that they've caused in my life. But when we change that prayer up, God, you know, just don't kill them today. God, you know what? Ugh. Grate my teeth, biting my tongue, biting my lip. Bless them today. God, change. If they don't follow you, Lord, I pray that you would speak someone into their life. So that person could speak life into them so they can be a follower of you. God, I'm not happy about all of this and you know that, but it's my job to love. So God, help me to love them today. Help me to show that love to that family that has ridiculed me within my community or, or caused my reputation to be, to be scorched in some way. God, I need you. To change their heart today, Lord. Bless their family. Bless that marriage. Bless them in their job. Bless their You know what happens when that happens? It becomes a heart thing in your life. The prayer that you have may not change them, but guess who it's going to change? You. You. Because all of a sudden it becomes a heart issue. Things begin to change like a heart transplant. All of a sudden now we start living and, and having that heart of Jesus within us. Because the heart of Jesus says, you know what? I need to forgive. I need to forgive regardless of what they've done. I, I still, it's my duty to show forgiveness. Scripture tells us in um, Acts chapter 16, verse 29, moving on. It says, the jailer called for lights and he rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas and he then brought them out, excuse me, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Talk about testimony in a quick, short amount of time. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And then immediately he and all his household were baptized. I'm going to stop for just a second. See how just things just completely change? 
the environment completely changed? Instead of Paul and Silas sitting there in, in who knows what position they were in and, and, and sitting there and having self-pity, talking among, can you believe this has happened to us? How in the world could God allow this? How in the world, what, 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 we, we'll never get to Rome. We'll never fulfill the calling of God. We'll never get there. I, could, I can almost envision them possibly sitting there, if this story was ever different, of just full of resentment and anger and frustration. I mean, let's think about it. After all, I get that. If I read that in the scripture, I would be like, I don't blame them. I don't blame them for having those feelings. But instead, it says, what? That they begin to worship God, even in those moments. They begin to worship God. Allowing God and giving God the praise. But it says, then they spoke of the word of the Lord to him and all the others in the, in, in the household or in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. He washed their wounds and then immediately he and his whole household were baptized. The one who was bringing persecution, who was fulfilling the judgment that was to be placed on them, is now the one who was what? Serving them. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. It's amazing how the enemy has now turned in to a ministry partner. Because watch. Set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. The mission that brought Paul and Silas to the city was to spread the gospel and to plant churches. By forgiving the jailer, instead of taking revenge... Paul and Silas saw a whole family decide to do what? Follow Jesus. But watch this, it gets deeper. Not only that, but the jailer, along with two others, became church planners. God used Paul and Silas, won the jailer over and two others, and they became church planners. What does that mean? They started a church now. Is that not amazing? Sometimes you don't understand what the struggle is you're going through right now, but God's got a plan on the other side of it. And if we would just allow God to work through what could be the most difficult test that you may be going through, I promise you the result is going to be God's best for your life. In fact, we understand that the New Testament book of Philippians that we read today and full of so many incredible scriptures was written to this man and to those leaders. Imagine what God wants to do on the other side of the struggle that you have with forgiveness. You have to take the eyes off of who hurt you and decide to trust that God's best will be delivered through you by forgiving. You know, um, I saw a quote the other day, so I'm not going to take credit for this quote, but I'm, I'm, I kind of flipped it around a little bit. And I think it's very timely with where we're at right now. And it goes something to the, to the nature of when you begin to look at others the way that God looks at you, that makes a difference. When you begin to look at others the way that God looks at at you, who's others? Those are my best friends. That's my wife. That's my church. Yes. It's also the person who's done me wrong. 
That's also the people who've spoken badly about me. That's also the people who caused me to get fired on a job. That's also the people that caused me, you know, a split up in relationships. Are you seeing my point? When we begin to look at these people the way that God looks at us, and how does God look at us? Through love and compassion and understanding and what? Forgiveness. That's a game changer. There's a story of a teenage girl who was in a terrible car accident. Let me, let me have you stand. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Stand with me for a moment. I'm closing out. There's a story about a teenage girl who was in a, a terrible car accident with her mother. The story kind of goes like this. There are so many complications from the accident that her mother was forced to stay in the hospital for 18 months. The family did not know from day to day whether they would lose her. and Thankfully, though, the mother survived, but she would require a great deal of care for the rest of her life. The stress of the situation ended up being too much for the girl's stepfather. So he ended up serving the mother divorce papers while she was still in the critical condition. The girl and her mother were completely devastated, as I think we could all understand. And not only were both their futures altered forever by this accident, but the one person who had promised to be there for them in what? Sickness and in health was now gone. They felt hopelessness and they felt rejected. You can imagine the resentment that stirred up in this young lady and how it could negatively shape her outlook. But after more than two decades of caring for her disabled mother, there's no evidence of bitterness in her life. Someone noticed her pleasant demeanor and outlook and kind-heartedness and asked how this was possible considering the hurt this young lady replied to the person by quoting 1 John 4 and 20. If someone says I love God and hates his brother, then he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. She said it took some time, but I decided I wanted, I wanted to really love God. I wanted to believe in him and his word. And to do that, I had to forgive my stepfather. And I also had to trust that if the Lord permitted all of that to happen to us, then he would bring good from it, just like he promised. She trusted God's best was on the other side of the hardest test. And she discovered that it was true because that mother received her healing. That's a powerful story. I can't help but to think, what if they continue to have such a heart of resentment? A heart of discouragement, a heart of rejection, a heart of revenge. Would that healing that that mom eventually received be on that other side? I don't know. We can speculate all we want. But I would like to think because of their forgiveness and the heart that they had and understand that if I am say that I love God and if I don't love my brother, then the scripture says I'm nothing more than a liar. Where do you fall into that? Where do you fall into that scripture? For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen and cannot love God whom he has not seen. Where do you fall into that?
My prayer is that you don't. I hope this morning that through this message you understand that you need to begin to forgive. God forgave you. He freely gave it to you. It's time for you to freely give it to those who have hurt you. Those who keep you up at night. Those who make you sick when you think about them. You become infuriated. You become frustrated. You become, you're not yourself. God is calling us as a church and calling you as an individual to forgiveness because God has got so much for your life. He says, but you know what? The thing that's blocking that blessing, the thing that's blocking that promise that I'm trying to give to you is that you won't forgive. So who in here today is saying, you know what, pastor? It's time for me to forgive. Would you raise your hand? It's time for me to forgive. I can't live in this resentment any longer. I can't live with this struggle anymore. I gotta forgive these people. Father God, you see every heart, you see every lifted hand in this house. Your message, Lord, has come across. And I believe, Father Lord, it has been accepted. And unfortunately, Lord, there's, there may be those who, who, who are gonna reject this message this morning. I pray not. I pray that everyone in this room today, Lord, is accepting this message of forgiveness. That, Lord, you have freely forgiven us. There is no conditions on your forgiveness. There was no conditions of you giving your son, Jesus Christ, on that cross. Jesus, you shed blood for my wrongdoing. There was no let's make a deal. So, Father, it is up to me now, since you have given me forgiveness, to forgive those who have done wrong against me. Forgive those who have done wrong against every individual that's represented in this room this morning. Who's saying, Lord, you know what? It's time for me to forgive. It's time for me to put things behind and begin to move forward. It's time, Lord, for me to pray for that person. God, even if our prayer is, Lord, just don't kill them today. Even if, Lord, we're biting our tongues or biting our cheek or our lip, why we say, bless their home. Do something inside of us, God. That this message isn't just educational for us where we gain knowledge from it. But, Lord, that it becomes life application to where we take your message, we apply it to our life, and we live it. So for everyone in this room this morning who can honestly say in their heart, whether they raise their hand or not, who can honestly say in their heart, it's time for forgiveness. God, I ask you in Jesus' name, through the power of your Holy Spirit, do the work in that heart, in that mind, and in that soul right now. That there be such a calmness when we think of the situations, the circumstances that we don't like, the people that we just are just sick of, Lord, right now that that attitude changes. That we begin to see others the way you see us. And that changes everything. So Father, we love you. And we praise you. And we worship you. 
Because God, I'm now thanking you and I'm praising you and I'm worshiping you, God, for people who have been able to forgive me for things that maybe I have done to them. Lord, that you have been able to forgive me for how I have treated your own people. Lord, even the way I've treated you, you forgave me. You have forgiven all of us. So today, God, is a day of salvation. Today, God, is a new day. Today, God, is a new beginning. Today, God, is a do-over. It's a start now. Today, God, things change. Today, God, our outlook on how people have treated us, what they've said about us, is different. No more, Lord, do we hold resentment and revenge. And God, that includes the things that have been done in the past, but also, Lord, that includes the things that will be done in the future. So God, as we read about Paul and Silas, and they were wrongly accused, and they were in prison for it, but yet they did not waver their faith. And in that moment, Lord, when they could have ran and that jailer's fate would have been in their hands, they would have had the ultimate revenge in that moment. They chose not to leave. God, help us to have that heart. Help us to have that same outlook. As we move from this place today, Lord, that we're not looking for revenge, that we're not looking for making other people's lives miserable because maybe they've made our lives miserable. We're not looking and we're not standing back with our arms crossed and our chest puffed out going, uh-huh, they're going to get theirs. Karma's going to get them. No. We're going, God, forgive them. God, do a work in their life. God, bless their homes, bless their kids, bless them on their job. Lord, bless their finances. Because, Lord, I believe that on the other side of forgiveness is such a massive blessing that you have for all of us. But today, God, is the new day. Today, God, we forgive people of our past and we say, Lord, we're going to forgive them in our future. Today, God, we allow you to do this heart transplant within us. Take this old corruption heart out and put yours in. The heart of Jesus Christ that shows compassion, that shows love, and that shows understanding. So, Father, we love you. We praise your holy name and we worship you. God, as we leave this place today, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And Father, as we leave and we give our offerings and our tithings to you, may it be done to grow your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.